Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though, and we are so glad you tuned in today. It's January, we're talking about adulting, and here's the thing, adulting is for all ages and all stages, because the likelihood of us needing to brush up on what it means to be a kind and gracious human is likely, (laughs) very likely. (laughs) Ashley, when you think about adulting, I mean, honestly, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of failing at adulting? For me, it's the fact that I don't make my bed. <laughs> and I'm never going to. This is so funny because you went like there and I was going all deep. Like, oh, oh, I think adulting is like having a strong sense of ownership and responsibility in the world. You know like, we'll cover that. Yeah. You know we'll cover that. <laughs> oh, 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 and I don't floss. Amazing. I don't floss and I really and you don't what? floss. Oh, you don't floss. Yeah, my father-in-law's a dentist, so flossing is definitely in our repertoire. Oh. You know what? I also think about adulting as um, being on time. I don't know why. I mean, not for social events, because if you have a social event, I'm not coming on time. Like, I'm coming (laughs) late, and I'm leaving early. Like, those are facts. Even if you're having a dinner party, if you're having a regular party. Wait, if you're having a dinner party, come on. You're not going to show your butt up. No, on, at a dinner party on time. No, no, no. Because hey. I know from six to six thirty, it's going to be. We're going to have to schmooze. Oh, and yeah. I don't want to do that. We will have hors d'oeuvres. We will and have so, hors d'oeuvres. Correct. So I'll arrive about six thirty, and then I want to be wrapping it up at eight. I want to be out of there. Um. So, and unless I'm really close to you, then I'll, I'm a roll dog and I'll stay. But like otherwise, I don't do it. So yeah, but being on time feels like one for me. Where you're like, oh yeah, adulting is coming on time, and adulting is doing what I said. Except I to your friends' houses. <laughs> Uh, no, only for social events. <laughs> okay, but for work and or or anything else, I'm here for it. I'm on time. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys, about the oh, social Ashley. situation. It's so sad. Sorry. As her close friend, I can guarantee you, it doesn't hurt as much as she's making it sound. <laughs> it's not as rude as she's making it sound. You are not wrong. <laughs> You're very kind. She's a kind person, and then she shows up when she's asked. I promise you guys. Uh-huh. That's true. But she just keeps it real tight. I remember one time I was at a dinner party at your house, your apartment, in when you were living in LA. This is pre-kids. This is you were just barely married, barely married. And I was in town, so you invited a bunch of people over and through this beautiful dinner. And then it was like, I don't know, 9.30, and you just looked at everybody and said, get out my house. Basically, yep. <laughs> Guys, this is real. This is who I really am. Like, I'm not even kidding. Oh, and I will best. do, like, strong end times when I'm hosting a party. So sometimes people will be like, oh, and then people are just going to mingle. I'm like, oh, no, they're not going to mingle at the end. We're going we're gonna to ask people to leave at that time. <laughs> Maybe, it's real. I, I feel time like, is precious to me. Time is precious, yeah. and if also, I've already I like given you sleep. three hours, that's it. Then that's plenty. I really plenty. like sleep. That's for me. That's where you, I, I draw the line. Is sleep is a must, and so maybe I'm just in that season where everybody is like bouncing at ten thirty, and I'm like, that's fine. Go bye. I'm already asleep. Like see you later. I don't need. I don't need all that. Did you? <laughs> did you ever? Did you see that? I think it was a Saturday Night Live skit. It was recent. It was Ryan Reynolds and Jimmy Fallon. Maybe it was just, no, I think it was on Jimmy Fallon. Anyway, Ryan Reynolds is hosting a party, a holiday party, and nobody's leaving. And he like, 
he gives these nice, nice cues of like, hey, I'm feeling pretty tired. Thanks, everybody, for coming. And everybody just keeps chatting and just like starts up a new conversation. And then there's like a voiceover of somebody saying, having trouble with your guests leaving when you want them to? And it introduced this like candle that basically smells like garbage. And he lights the candle. Oh, gross. And he said, and everyone's like, oh, what's that smell? I gotta go. I, I just remembered I gotta be somewhere. <laughs> and he's just sitting there smiling, like staring at the camera. It's like, beautiful. Oh, all of a sudden, are you sure you don't wanna stay? So good. Tell me I'm where gonna, I can order gonna, one. Yeah. We should add it to the show notes. I want one for my own house. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful. I mean, that beautiful stuff's going to, you're going to need some Febreze after that because that's going to be all <laughs> kinds of smelling. Oh, and I know you're very sensitive to smells. I couldn't imagine you bringing like that's a, true. like a, what am I thinking? A skunk butt up in there. I don't think that's, that's your true. vibe, man. You're right. My vibe is definitely just to be like, okay, it's time for everyone to go home. Thank you so much for coming. That's my vibe. So if that doesn't work, what do you do? If that doesn't work? Oh no! I literally will will help people out. We do it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> you're no, like here's your purse. It's zero. I'll take my plate me. back. No, yeah, li- yep, for real. That's really how we are. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, okay, last thing. When I think of adulting, um, of the little things, because obviously, listeners, you know, we're covering all the big big things on this uh, series. Adulting, being on time, I would love to say that that is under construction, and I'll get back to you later. But um, yeah, definitely flossing. Making my bed. Oh, taking vitamins. That feels like adulting. That is adulting. I do not suck at that. I've been taking my vitamins regularly for quite a while now. Yeah, I'm like four out of seven days, and I feel good about that. (laughs) Okay, I was on average two out of seven days, and then I bought vitamins that get delivered every month. Yes, So then I do not want to fall behind, and I'm more doing it out of fear that I'm going to waste money. So it's whatever drives you, right? Yes. There you go. Uh, all right, listeners, let's get into the good stuff. But it's very good to know how Ashley feels about dinner parties, and I am going to... You want to know what, though? Okay, hold on. I just have to say, when I show up to someone's house or when we're planning something, I'm that girl who's like, oh, what's the expectation? I go yes. in and asking. Totally. I love... That's adulting. Yes, I love boundaries, and I love yeah. barriers, and I want to honor that person, and I don't want yes. to be a bother, and I want to be seen as agreeable and diplomatic, so much so that I'm like, oh, okay, well, what were you expecting this to look like? Yes. I feel like that's one area that I'm like, oh, yeah. Or if someone's coming over, I'm like, I'll often, even on a dinner party invitation, I'll put the end time, not just like, hey, be here at six. Always. Yeah, and so I'm like, no, I want everyone what to know what the expectation is. What kind of savage leaves off the end time? Like, everyone, nobody puts that's end time. So stressful. I no, don't know no. anyone in my life who puts end time. Oh my gosh, I we're think almost everyone I know. Maybe it's in a New York thing. I don't know. Oh, 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 yeah. People are like, no, this party is literally over at nine p.m. <laughs> so no, but seriously, when you at functions there, there's an end time listed. Probably because they're renting space too. If it's like out and about, huh? Yeah, it could be. And I also just think time is so valuable. People are like, I don't want to just, I don't want this to turn into an eight hour stretch here. (laughs) Ooh, no, thank you. No, thank you. Okay. One Mm -hmm. last thing on um, time that we're some of these awkward people. So in our uh, small group at church, when it's supposed to be five five forty five to seven fifteen, but it often goes like an extra fifteen minutes. I don't care. I go get my kids. I walk out the door seven fifteen every week. I'm like, nope. Duty yep. calls, man. I got I got to put these kids to bed. It takes a real long time. Totally, and I'm out. Like even that extra fifteen minutes, I'm like, I cannot afford this. Thoughts and prayers are with you all as you continue to discuss 
our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ of Nazareth because <laughs> I gotta go. Oh, if anyone in my small group is listening to this, know that I enjoy every minute between 5.45 and 7.15. I really do. <laughs> and then I have to get the kids. <laughs> yeah, and then I got to go. And we're just like tromping through the front room. It's trying my kids asking for more food and putting their shoes on and wondering where their water bottle is as people are trying to, you know, share their deepest parts of their heart. But it is what it is, people. It's not who I am. I am who I am. Yep. All right. This week, as we talk about why God does not have enemies, though, what what's the three words we're going to cover in our time together, Ashley? Well, we're going to be talking about avoiding polarization, villainization, and manipulation. Mm, that's so right, we are. Go. That's what that's this right, is, we are. That's what this is today. Let's start with polarization. When you think mm-hmm. of polarization, what example comes to mind that is obvious that we can all grasp onto? but how it permeates everyday interactions. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely think we spent a good chunk of time last week on our podcast talking about you know having emotional intelligence in the digital age. And if you didn't have an opportunity to listen to that, I would encourage you to go back and listen because yeah. it was so good. And I think polarization, the first thing I think about is the digital age that we're living in because I do think that we have, we're strongly being... I like to say it like this, we're being pastored by the internet. And so we are constantly, you know, we spend four to five hours a day, most people, that's and that's on the lower end on our digital devices. And so much of that time is spent on social media or reading news or articles, different things like that. And we form our opinions. And because we're able to choose our own little isolated echo chamber, then most people are forming their thoughts, opinions, and habits in the privacy of their own home. And not that they haven't done that in the past, but there was just more social interaction required and you were required to be nicer to your neighbor at times. And I think in this new age we're living in, we're like, oh, well, this is my political candidate and this is my issue that I believe in. And if you don't like it, well, you're in that camp, which means that we can't be close. And we just keep pushing each other into our various corners and it's polarizing. So now we're at the opposite ends of the spectrum when we could actually all choose to be together in community. And some of that you know, obviously safety is required. Some people are not safe. Some people are saying things that are hurtful or racist or sexist, and they cannot be in our lives like that. Those are facts. But at the same time, we have to go from this like polarizing narrative of 2020 and start journeying back towards the center. What is our common ground? We are beloved in Christ. God created each of us in his image. And how can we begin to see each other, not based on the things that we're against or the things that we're for, but as a human being made in the image of God. So I think polarization is happening at this rapid pace. And and we have to be the kind of people who will say, you know what, I will journey with you towards the middle. I'm not going to stay in my camp and I'm not going to make you a villain, which you could talk about that one. Um, Because I think that's the next step. After polarization, we start to to villainize others. Yeah, I think the more you have that sharp contrast of what you believe or where how you live your life or your socioeconomic standing and how you believe others live their life and how they got to where they were mm-hmm. and you begin to stereotype them and really assign a whole life and narrative and way about them that isn't always true. It's most likely not true. Um, And I also just wanted to add, I love how you said moving toward the middle. That is so, so beautiful. And also how that is our first role. It's our first mandate as believers. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, your faith, your your mandate to love others is above your desire to kind of 
go within yourself into this subculture of whatever that may be, of whatever you ascribe to, we must remember that our first role is to love others, regardless if they love us back or if they think like us. Um, It's so easy to love people who love you back. It's so easy to love people (laughs) who think like you. It's Mm -hmm. never, ever, ever easy to sit and listen <laughs> to how yeah. someone else thinks or it or or if you feel bullied or if you feel villainized and we'll get to that in a second if you feel that it can be you feel like you have an excuse right to to live in this polarized way and just yeah. think it's all black and white and mm-hmm. you're either on this side or you're on this side mm-hmm. or you're coming from this point of view or you're coming from this point of view yes and it's it's just it robs us of life it just robs us of the good gracious life you know what it makes me think of actually is the early church when you think about the homes hmm. that they would gather and you had right. the uppity up you had the down and out you had slave yep. free man woman jewish yep. um gentile and and everybody gathered and they knew by gathering together if, if anybody knew that they were gathering in this place that was so um not appropriate for their day and time and right. place in the world but they thought our faith is above where we came from in the world, the color yes. of our skin, our standing yes. in society. So if they could grasp that, and I don't think that they particularly did it in a way that we can. I think that they struggled just as much as we do, which is why there's constant encouragement that they would be one. That they would be yeah, one. come on. Yep. So it's not like they aced it and we, we, we won't. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. They had needed just as much reminder by their prophets and by their leaders and their shepherds and their pastors just as much as we do today. But waking up with this constant little device in our pocket that we flip open before we've even had a time to catch our breath yeah. and we're reading the news and we're making assumptions about people and we're, like you said, we're deciding what the world looks like and who's right and what's right because of the specific news outlets we are willing to listen to. I think it's a, it's far more dangerous. I mean, we talk about it as if it's so normal, like, oh, this is just the way of the world. It is so dangerous to yeah, the soul. Yeah, come on. It is yes. so dangerous. Yep. And you've often talked about, Ashley, that you, you're just convinced, and I, and I agree with you, that there's eventually going to be rules around our internet usage you know we think of smoking on planes was okay at one point on a plane where you were trapped in the air with that secondhand smoke yes and here we are in some way shape or form allowing this toxic rhetoric whatever it may be to just go through our gullet and we swallow it up whole and then we wonder why we're so polarized it's so true and you know the title of this podcast why god doesn't have enemies though comes from a great quote from father gregory boyle and if you guys have never heard of him he started homeboy industries in southern california in the los angeles area and the homeboy exists to help people who are formerly gang members or who are currently gang members either leave the life or start a new life and they do things like tattoo removal they have different job opportunities economic opportunities for people to be able to work and to be able to figure out how to move their life forward especially if they were 
formerly incarcerated, where they can't get different jobs. And his point um, in saying, which is a quote he says often, is that God doesn't have enemies. God only has children. Mm. And so I love that because it's this reminder of like, you might think, you know, even the rhetoric in the news during the political seasons where we talk about, you know, MS-13 in a certain type of way, and we're calling people animals, and we're calling them all these different things. And I just think it's really important to acknowledge like, hey, not only is that polarizing, it's also us villainizing a person that God made. And God doesn't have enemies, God has children. And this, um, I love to talk about it in that way because I think it's important for us to recognize that we have the tendency in us all of us because we all deal with our own bias implicit Mm -hmm. and explicit and we all have the tendency to go well I don't like people who are this size and I don't like people who talk this way and I don't like people who this was their former background you know like if they've had an abortion or they were in a gang or they're corrupt on their job like I just don't associate with those people they're really really bad people and sometimes I think what that does is it sets us up in pride it roots our position in pride. And the problem with that is that we are all broken and we all make mistakes and we are all one step away from stupid, to be honest with you, at all times. (laughs) And so it's just important for us to remember that we can't make enemies out of people that God loves and that he created. And it's important. And I remember um, having this experience and Tiffany and I have talked about this before on here, but a blog post of mine went viral and it got a lot of terrible comments, a lot of great ones, but it got a lot of terrible ones. And there was this one lady and she wrote like 17 paragraphs seriously it was like it might as well have been an essay about her opinions about me and what she thought about me on this one blog post she didn't read anything else she told me that she didn't think I was a Christian I wasn't a true believer if I really you know thought I had something to say about God then maybe I should read his word and I should do all these things and she just set herself up against me as an enemy. And I felt challenged by the Holy Spirit, even though I didn't know this person at all. But I felt so challenged by the Holy Spirit in that moment, um, the words of Jesus, like that he loves his enemies. Like he tells us, he instructs us as believers to love our enemies. So even though she had set herself up as an enemy of mine, (laughs) you know, it was like, God, help me to see her as someone made in your image. God, help me to see her as someone who might be trapped and dealing with, you know, um, a religious spirit, someone who who is prideful and thinks she's right about everything. And God, help me to not be that way. Help me to be humble. Help me to see her. And so I felt so challenged by the Holy Spirit to do that. Because it's one thing to be like, yes, we have to love our other when they were, you know, formally this or that. And that seems pretty obvious, maybe easy, maybe hard for some. But at the same time, each of us can distill something down in our lives where somebody feels like an enemy to us. And I think it's important for us to examine that and really go, you know what, I don't want to do this to you. I don't want to villainize you to the point that I am eliminating your humanity. And I can hate you in my heart. And because Jesus does say, you know, New Testament covenant is no freaking joke. He says, you hate somebody in your heart, you might as well have murdered them. So it's like, you got to really think about what's going on in me. And who do I hate? (laughs) Why do I hate them? (laughs) And who do I hate? How did I get here? You know, like, how did I get here? What polarizing narrative am I believing about this? person? How have I begun to villainize them? And just like, go figure it out so that we don't do that to one another. Because we can't have the beauty that you talked about, Tiffany, like thinking about the early church. And, you know, we we experience that now um, in our homes. But gosh, just the differences and the diversity and the rich vastness of our experience and our economic brackets and our past, you know, to be in one room together is a great joy. Diversity is truly a gift to us from God. It's a gift and it's stretching. We become the people we were intended to be when we have some rub right when things are hard Mm -hmm. that's when the goodness Mm -hmm. and the juice comes out is because Mm -hmm. we wrestle for 
becoming. Um, I was thinking as you shared about that, how easily we villainize others and they become the enemy. I was thinking of how when I'm reading scripture with my children and one of the first questions they often ask in a story is who's the bad guy? Hmm. Who's the bad guy? Is this, oh, or is is this a good guy or a bad guy? Hmm. doesn't matter who we're reading about, you know, it's all new to them. And so, oh, is this guy good or bad? And it's like, oh, this guy was beloved. Now, he may, yeah, might have made some poor good. choices. He might have made some good choices. He was beloved. Yeah. And how easily, even as children, we, in, in our innocence, we, we want to know, okay, well, if there's, if there's evil, who's the villain? Right. And because there is a true evil. There is a true enemy. There is a true enemy. But it doesn't have a face walking around this earth like of somebody and of a child or of someone who looks different than us. We have a real enemy. But the ones that we make enemies are often the ones we're invited to love. Yeah. Often the ones we're invited to love. So even sharing with my children, no matter what book we're reading, no, it's not that they're good or bad. It's that they're on a journey and they're struggling to make these choices. Can you see how that might be hard or how that might be difficult or how that brought them to the place it was? Um, One of them recently was Mary Todd Lincoln. My son is very into junior biographies. We have read just about every biography, junior biography the library has to offer. Oh, we're and my husband and I were like, I did not know this, or I did not know this. Last night was Thurgood Marshall, which was brought me to tears. It was so powerful. Mm. The night before that was Mary Todd Lincoln, and just reading about this woman who history has not been kind to her, has not been kind to her. This is a woman who was sitting next to her husband as his life was taken. This is a woman whose three out of four sons died. And yet we just paint her as this uh, emotional, erratic woman. And little do we know, she had such ambition. And she went to secondary, post-secondary education when so, excuse me, secondary education, when that was totally uncommon for women in that time because she so badly wanted to go to school and learn Hmm. and to contribute to society. She was, her and her family had a spot on the Underground Railroad, like all of these things. But we love to paint people like, oh, look at her. She was the enemy of Lincoln. Come he was on. trying to change the world. He was trying to get stuff done. And and she was just too much to handle. And it's like, wow, the way we paint people, the way we so easily yeah. villainize people because we aren't willing to listen to their story and see where Come they on. came from. Gosh, I love this. And I love what you're sharing about your kids too because you know, it reminds me how tempting it is at all times to just develop a dualistic, simple narrative. Yes. It is easier to just describe to your children, like these are good guys, these are bad guys. And I love that you took the time with your kids to explain you know, this is not good or bad. These are people on a journey. And sometimes the brokenness within us comes out this way. And do you see the humanity? Do you see the context? And I feel like you you pushing past the simple, easy response, which is good or bad, to say, well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the whole picture, I think is so life-giving and what a valuable lesson you're imparting to your children. So I'm so thankful you shared that with us. I feel like that's a it's a good parenting nugget to hold on to. Thank mm, you. Thank you. Also, I'm dying to hear you talk about manipulation because, (laughs) guys, this is like Tiffany's lane. I feel like you do such a good job of talking about this and educating us and helping us see manipulative people and walking away from them. (laughs) Yes. My last thought on this, this, are you good or are you bad, is if we are willing to label others as good or bad, if we're willing to just throw that label out so easily, how easily are we only willing to label ourselves as good? We are not as willing to be honest with our own state of our own soul and realize I am holding both 
darkness and light. I am prone to wander and I'm prone to worship. We have to be able to see ourselves as a multifaceted being who is capable of very dark things. Good people can do real bad things, y'all. And and quote unquote bad people can do beautiful things. Yes. And so being able to see ourselves as growing, moving, evolving people. Manipulation. I just have a few things to say on this, Ashley. <laughs> I think manipulation in adulthood, as we talk about adulting, is often subtle. You know, you, we can think of manipulation on the grand scheme and really overt of, uh, you know, being forced or or the wool pulled over our eyes or, you know, kind of encouraged to do things that we wouldn't normally do or pushed around or bullied around. I think bullying is the word for when we're in elementary high school. I think manipulation is what it can turn into as an yeah. adult because you can't get a- away with outright bullying as an adult. You're going, you're going to not have no friends, but totally. manipulation can be so subtle. And let me just give you an example that I often like to use when I think of manipulation. Let's say your friend wants to go to lunch and she calls you up and says, hey, I want to go to lunch. And you're like, oh, hey, I'm just trying to save some money right now. I have an appointment at one o'clock. I wouldn't have very much time. Oh, come on. Come on. Just do it. And you're like, oh, no, I really, I really, I really don't want to go out of my budget this month. I'm already, you know, almost to the max and I need to have brain space to prepare for this meeting. It's like, no, 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 let's just go. And eventually you give in, right? Eventually you give in. And so slowly but surely, you're willing to bend your way at somebody else's call in a way that you aren't realizing that you're being taken advantage of. Yeah. And that you're being kind of forced around in a way that you might be thinking, no, I just, maybe that person really needed to meet. Or, oh, I just, no, I just want to be generous with my time and I want to meet with this person or whatever the case may be. You make excuses for yourself. I am the queen of making excuses for myself. Depending on your family of origin, perhaps you were in a manipulative environment and you had no escape. So you learn to just go with the flow or create your own little world and try to protect yourself the best you could. But at the end of the day, you weren't in control of your environment and you were manipulated in such a way that unless you bowed to the people around you, you couldn't get through the next day. It would be worse. It'd be yeah. worse. If you didn't bow, you would pay for it. Maybe emotional abuse, verbal abuse, a physical abuse, maybe sexual abuse, whatever the case may be. So taking mm. that into an adulthood, into adulthood, we can find ourselves in a position where we're so easily taken advantage of, honestly, because we just want to keep the peace. And we believe the best in people. I am the most optimistic mm. person. <laughs> Ashley knows this. And I can be easily manipulated because I'm going to believe the best, even if you give me a dozen reasons to think otherwise. I'm likely going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Now, that is that has been a gift. But the overuse of that gift is definitely not a gift. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it can really kick me in the face and find myself where I've been taken advantage of so much so that I'm like, man... In my spirit of, and I'm not saying I'm innocent in this. I'm sure I'm capable of manipulating. I mean, I got kids. I know what manipulation looks like, y'all. Yeah. You want this? You better do this. You you want this? You want this candy cane that was left over from three <laughs> months ago? Well, then you got to do it, you know. Um, but I think as adults, we can feel like we're walking on eggshells, and we'd rather continue to walk on eggshells than walk away. Yeah. Ashley, can you talk about that, of what it takes to walk away? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know what, manipulative people, it's so tough. I think one of the things that I do when I am trying to figure out should I walk away from a relationship is I start asking questions about reciprocity. And this Mm. is a very helpful guide for me. And so I'll ask the question, wow, in the last seven conversations we've had together, how self-serving was I and how self-serving was the other person? And if I recognize that that every single conversation, like the last seven, served the other person only, then I do one of two things. I go, wait a minute, what kind of relationship are we trying to build? Because maybe it is like someone that I might be ministering to or mentoring and that would feel very appropriate, right? And then maybe it's somebody who said they want a friendship with me or said that they want to be connected or want reciprocal relationship. And I recognize that's not what's happening here. And then I have to make the decision, do I want to have a conversation with them about this or do I just want to stop meeting? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what guides my choices. And not just in conversations is reciprocity important, but like actually who's able to turn up? Like, I think it's really important for us to evaluate our relationships and go, wow, am, am I the only one who's showing up in this person's life? Am I the only one who's showing up with a meal when they need it? Am I the only one who's, you know, sending over a little Venmo for a little gift? Am I the only one who's doing X, Y, or Z in the relationship? And again, sometimes that's appropriate because God leads us in generosity and that's so good. And then sometimes you realize, man, this person is only in my life to take from me. Mm. And that in and of itself is manipulative. Yep. Um, yep and yep, they have yep. a, that it clearly shows the agenda when you really start looking at reciprocity. And I also find that it's a very good guide for me. So not just for the other person, but it's a great opportunity for me to recognize, have I only been self-serving in this relationship? And is it a mentorship relationship? Is that appropriate? And even if it is, how can I serve the other person? How can I care for them? How can I show up the same way that they might be showing up for me? So that way I don't start to do what we've already talked about in this conversation, which is make somebody a villain, but really go, okay, great. This is not working. This is not reciprocal. This is not good. And I'm going to change the nature of this relationship and I'm going to get out. Um, And I love what you shared, Tiffany, too, because you really hit the deeper um, parts of this where it takes some time to recognize, wow, I was steeped in these things growing up. And that means that I'm more susceptible to allow people to treat me this way. And so how do I change that narrative of my life? How do I make different decisions? How do I value myself, my time, my resources, my capacity, uh, my desire to give? How do I value that in such a way that these people cannot constantly feed off of what I have to give? Um, But that big question about reciprocity is huge for me in identifying manipulative people. Um, because like you said, Tiffany, they can be really sweet and mm-hmm. they, they usually come guns blazing. That's the other thing I notice about manipulative people. Um, the sweet ones is that they come like 110% and they want to do this and they want to do that. And they make all these huge promises. And you're like, wait a minute, like that's suspect from jump. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, can we just interact like normal human beings and see how this goes? You know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's kind of some guideposts for me personally. Oh man, that was amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I was, you know, I'm like what? I need to apply this to every relationship and see what comes out, you know? (laughs) That was powerful. Thank you for that. What practical advice. Thank you, Ashley. Wow. Mm -hmm. I think one other thing to look for is how is this person in other relationships? If you are in a community, have they burnt Mm. bridge after bridge after bridge? And again, my personality, I'm like, oh man, they've just been through a lot. They've been hurt. Totally. And it's like, wait a second. It takes two to tango. What role did they play? If they're the common denominator in relationships yeah, exploding, yeah. maybe just take yes. a double <laughs> take a yeah, double look and right. see what's going on there and realize that you're not going to be the person to heal them of their ways. Yeah, you are not going to be the person to meet them where they're at. And it's like, oh, no, they've just been treated really poorly. They had a string of bad experiences or bad relationships. Nope. Nope. Yeah. You follow you wherever you go. Yeah. 
That's exactly right. And I think it's okay to allow people opportunities to earn trust. And I'm not talking about being a jerk and making people work to be in relationship with you or earn their value in relationship with you. That's not what I'm talking about. But trust is something that's earned as is respect. Like there's a common mutual respect. We should all have one another because we're made in the image of God, but also my desire capacity to respect you enough to let you have influence in my life. Now that's a whole other thing, you know? So I think it's important for us to think about that too. It was really great, Tiffany. And just in closing, when we think of our encouragement as followers of Jesus is to love other people, love other people, that doesn't mean to set yourself on fire so other people can stay warm. Yep, no thanks. Our only debt is to love. And that doesn't have to mean we spend ourselves on them in a way that is not reciprocal, that is not uh, safe. (laughs) That's not safe. Uh, It doesn't mean we subject ourselves to toxic people to love others invites boundaries, wholeness, and health. Our only debt Come is on. to love. That's Any beautiful. last words, Ashley? Just in 2020, guys, we're here to help you um, mm, avoid polarization, yeah. villainization, and manipulation. We want to see flourish in your relationships and keep journeying with others towards the middle. So bless you. We hope you guys have an amazing week, and we'll see you right back here next week. Mm, bye-bye. Hey, listeners, remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit TiffanyBloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit AshAbercrombie.org. See you next week.